another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and I'm joined uh, this evening by a wonderful human being. She's um she's a poet, uh, a copywriter. Her most recent um um publication is uh, uh if you want to hold it up for me. Um, oh, yeah. Alms for the board. Alms for the board. Um, it's gross. Yeah, it's yeah, it's disgusting. No, I'm just kidding. It's kind of um, trashy. It's, <laughs> ki- it's kind of trashy. Well, uh, I'm here to talk. She's here to talk uh, about her passions, artistry, and why she does what she does. Uh, we're gonna drink some uh, cheap alcohol and uh, shoot the shit. So, Sam Karski, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Cheers. Cheers, man. Uh, and thank you so much. It's wild, like getting to connect with people in kind of like non-traditional ways with COVID. This isn't the first time that like something I'd normally be face-to-face for has like been moved online. Um, This whole time we've really been trying to keep poetry going in the city and also nationally um, by exploring the same format that like you're bringing your podcast forth with and you know, you're really making the most of as well. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. I'm glad you could be part of it. You know, uh, I, yeah, and um, I appreciate that. And uh, it's, it's been a lot of um, makeshift means of like, how are we going to make, you know, this creative community still work, you know? And uh, I'm very grateful that, um, you know, folks have been, uh, been, been able to come on a Nice Guy podcast and uh, really uh, share what, what's been inspiring them and keeping them ticking uh, in these really trying chaotic times. So, that being said, Sam, uh, to start, uh, how was your day? Um, <laughs> so my day job is probably one of like the weirdest things about me. Like forget being like, you know, a weird kind of creepy poet or like my tendency to play useless instruments. Um, my day job is uh, that of a commercial copywriter in-house for a office furniture company. Ah. Oh, yeah. So I, I write completely insane descriptions of like desks and chairs and stuff like that Uh, they trust me way too much so i was you know working the nine to five life um like you're basically writing like vibrant and very provocative uh term like verbiage for a couple slabs of wood essentially oh it goes so it's so much worse than that too like so you know elaine from seinfeld um, sure, yeah. I don't even, I never really watched Seinfeld. That's my job. Jay Peterman is, I mean, like, so this is also home base for like when I work from home and like, this is my work stuff. This is literally our catalog. Like I, I write this thing. I describe these tables and stuff and try and get away with as much as I can, as many weird illusions and references that I can like layer into an actually accurate and informative description as possible. So yeah, I was doing that, you know, I had to write a bunch of stuff about a collection of honestly some pretty ugly stuff. And just like, how many puns can you fit into like a paragraph? More than more than I'm comfortable with. So that was my day. Did that. And now I'm here. Awesome. Good shit. Yeah, I I feel that I uh, yeah, I I'm a music journalist. So I'm writing up local music for breaking and entering every day. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the source is, uh, just mad useful. Um, when you're, when you're doing write-ups and, uh, especially like, 
I feel like I'm trying to advertise the music to the listeners, you know, like I'm trying to like use really um, colorful nomenclature to like make you like feel like you're like living vicariously in it, you know, and um, and so I'm very fond of uh, just that um, that wordsmithing and uh, using words that I never thought like, you know, I'd, I'd uh, you know, throw in a sentence about uh, your favorite local band's new EP or some shit, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's really fun. Oh, it's wild, dude. Um, and it's kind of like, I think when you're like talking about like that version of like journalism, any sort of like arts media, like you really need to lean into that because there's, only so many ways you can describe a laminate finish, but there's a lot of ways you can string those adjectives together to like accurately capture the atmosphere of like a band. Um, and that's one of those things that I kind of do too, except for it's more of like just me being kind of a head ass is like, I don't want to tell you that this thing is stylish. I want to tell you that this is going to like make people see you as some sort of like you know reclusive provocateur like sitting alone in your house with this industrial they're like no i will i'll take it i'll take it and i'll go too far uh, like you're like sitting in your in your home like with a monocle like smoking a pipe or some shit <laughs> bro i've gotten i've gotten so close to saying that same thing in, in just a couple different words uh i went on this tear trying to like conceal a bunch of like um illusions puns and like weird references to revolutions deep in like product copy and i had, like a different like revolution like per brand that i would write for and it's like sometimes you just gotta you just gotta like get in there and maybe like go on some sort of weird tirade about how this like is inspired by the weathered fences and like you know whatever of like this like dystopian landscape like this is literally something you can find in in my professional i really i really hope nobody from work watches this somebody <laughs> will and i think the thing is it's not going to get me in trouble they're just going to go like yeah that's that's, Pretty much that's, right. that's already on linkedin like come on man like what you gonna say you know what that reminds me of uh did you play the sims growing up <clears throat> no uh i think maybe briefly but like i've never been a video game person um I like made friends with marbles and gave them person. I had a real weird child. I have no siblings, no cousins lived in kind of like a part of town where um, I couldn't, I didn't really have like a lot of like neighborhood friends growing up. So I definitely just like, you know, dude, you'll make friends with, you'll make friends with a piece of like small round glass and you'll give oh, it yeah. that same persona. You'll build it that house out of Duplos. I was not, I, I was a couple brain cells short of uh, Legos. So I was a Duplo girl. <laughs> I feel bad. I I, I gave person I gave personalities to my uh, Hot Wheels cars, so I get it. Um, yeah. Oh man, if you did, I'd be worried about you. Right, right, right. Yeah, I I lived on a major street, you know, like, playing by myself in my yard. And, like, but anyway, um, so yeah, no, I was gonna say that, like, you know, all like the furniture in The Sims is like that, like everything gets like such a like unique and like also fictionalized like description of just like how you know like the 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 game is trying so hard to make you buy this for for your sim for this this virtual animated sprite this family of sprites that you that you care so much about now um and it does that really well 
And, copywriter uh, did that, man. Somebody with my job title literally was hired to write that description and make you feel that way. And I'm glad they did. Like, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a good thing I knew the cheat codes in The Sims for uh, for the uh, the money um, for getting all your <laughs> getting your Sims rich and shit. So I, I have barely played. It's Rosebud something, right? Mother. I played at a friend's house. What? Motherload. Motherload. That's the name of the. That's the, that's the code. For what? For like for OG like Sims One, because I think the only Sims I ever played was like Sims One, and I swear, like dude, I'll bet you a beer on this one that like there was a cheat code where you get some money and it was like Rosebud like X semicolon X or something like that. Well, this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna was, look this up later. Mother Load was Sims Two. Okay. Other Lord was Sims 2, so maybe you 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 could be right if you're playing the we're both. We're just going to say we're both right. Okay. Why I'm, not? I'm, I mean... Let's go with that. Yeah. yeah. We're never going to look it up. We're not going to solve this mystery. We're just going to say we're both right. We're right. The world's all wrong, right? Cheers to that. Cheers. Hmm. So, Sam, what we talked about on Mr. Nice County, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And so, um, you were in a lengthy uh, little pep talk before we start recording, but you're one of those people that, you know, I've, I've always known of you, but and have wanted to like, you know, actually uh, sit down and get to know, but it's just been like a long time coming um, to like finally get to do this with you. Uh, but, you know, we've, we've definitely like, definitely, you know, just knowing that how River West is, we've definitely like had to have been in the same room at some point but i've always i've known of you as a poet um and uh yeah and i i was looking at your website before this and uh just looking at some of the different um like events and uh writings that uh you've either done or partaken in and um yeah it just seems like you have a very uh strong investment in um the very tightly knit poetry scene here. So we're going to talk about all of that um, in a bit. But first, Sam, as we usually start, um, where we usually start is, uh, so are you are you uh, from Milwaukee? Like, did you grow up here? Yeah, uh, which we call it, I hatched on the north side, um, lived just outside the city for a little while, um, later childhood into teens, and then bounced right back. Uh, moved over to the east side for college, lived in one apartment for like a year, and then I moved into a basement still on the east side, and I have been here for almost 11 years now. Like, oh. you know, just kind of living underground in a Polish flat. I have that window, and that's about it. And Yeah, you're like in a bunker. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it's amazing. I mean, I feel like if you ever have a podcast where you just talk to people who, like, live in pits in the ground, uh, invite me on. I have thoughts, feelings. Uh, I I really don't know what's going to happen if I ever have to live above ground, but I don't think it's going to end well. I don't think it's going to go great at all for anyone. So you're going to get sunburned at the window. <laughs> my one, my only window faces north. So my cat's afraid of sunshine. Um, I'm afraid of sunshine. I'm very like, I really don't like it. Um, you know, I work as a copywriter, but also as a bartender and like, managed to find a job at the jazz estate which is literally a polish flat but it's a bar so like it's dark in there because you know jazz but 
also it's a freaking basement like yeah. my team my style like right here for it keep the light out i have no use for it yeah it's oh. it's almost like kind of like a like a shack almost like as you're like just it just seems like it's just like a little hole in the wall like little shack bar but you go in there and it's just really like ornate dim lit intimate atmosphere I've, I've been to the jazz estate a couple times and uh i've always had a good time there but um oh clearly yes. you've only been in the past like four or five years because that's yeah. when they got their act together before it was uh chaos and i think a lot more cocaine than anyone ever wants to acknowledge the place was just known as being like delightfully seedy it was it had this permanent beautiful smell of sewage so when i moved into this little pit i also moved into there as a bar regular like you know good fucking count on two hands all all fingers accounted for i uh, spent a lot of time there when it was really gnarly and then my like best friend wound up actually managing the new iteration after it was bought by john die so it's like you know i got its act together we're still a little rough around the edges but it's beautiful now it it yeah. was not always like that you're talking about jeff right Your friend. <laughs> yep uh jeff kinder <laughs> uh, kinder Kinder. Good old Kinder Care, yeah, he's a. Uh, uh, we are extremely close, and it's one of those things with the pandemic. Um, you know, we all kind of like found our people, our little pod, and he'd already been, you know, one of my best friends for a long time, and we kind of just got stuck together. He lives above the Jazz Estate. I live a block away. You know, we're kind of just we weathered this whole thing kind of side by side. Um, we work together. He is my friend boss again at yeah. Zocalo. Um, and it's, you gotta have those people in your life, you know? You gotta have those good ones who uh, who you can spend a lot of time underground in a jazz bar with, but also, you know, get lunch in the daylight once in a while. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, those are keepers for sure. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a happening area over there. Um, I know you're, you're right next to the, uh, the uh, the sex shop, you know, the tool shed right next door. Oh, COVID never slowed them down. My God. Oh, and they were I'm deeply. Sure. Oh, I'm sure they were actually uh, probably doing numbers during COVID. You know, everyone's all in quarantine. Hey, self-care and self-love is uh, of the utmost importance. Oh, yeah. I did this weird thing where, you know, like the world shut down. My day job sent all of us home. Um, I just dipped out earlier than that. I'm like, oh, world's done. Peace. I'm out. But then my night job shut down and my internet at home sucked and I didn't have my thing set up. So I'm like, maybe I can just spend my, do my day job work at my night job. So that's how I wound up locked in a closed jazz club for two months during the hours of eight and five every day, watching the good people in Milwaukee go get their pickup orders at the tool shed. <laughs> and yo, the club was jumping, jumping over there. It was just, you know, and they were very safe. Like, you know, they would do their pickups. They'd have everything outside. They clearly, you know, they have a reputation for being a phenomenal business for a yeah. very good reason. Um, yeah. And yeah, they, they're doing just fine as they should. Good. Good. Yeah. Love that. Good. Shout out to tool shed. Yeah. Um, you're also, uh, that's also really close to, uh, I'm, I'm very fond of Juan, Juan Shi. Hanshi. Oh yeah, I got dinner there today. Uh, oh, dope. yeah, yeah. Boiled beef and Sichuan sauce is uh, my favorite thing. You just kind of like, 
oh, it's just, I can't even explain it. It's delicious. But no, they've, their first day open as the first iteration of the business called Wanshi after Hopsheng was the day I moved into this basement. So, oh, word. Okay. Yeah. So I've been tight with the staff. I, once upon a time, I uh, drove delivery for them twice in like an exceptionally chaotic turn of events. They just needed someone. And I, I had a Ford Taurus in a dream. Just <laughs> <laughs> rolled around the city with, uh, with the person I was dating at the time, just like, you know, dropping off bags of delightful, delightful yeah. traditional Chinese food. And uh, it's so good. Like oh, it's, it's so good. honestly like, I mean, there's a handful of uh chinese restaurants that you can't go wrong with um at, like in this area but huanxi is definitely one of them um we i uh my friends and i we just um we uh we were planning uh like an action last weekend um it was me and our two friends and we were just like drinking and having a ton of fun but then we were like five hours later we were all drunk as shit we're like wow we're hungry we forgot to eat dinner Yep. So we, uh, so we, um, we got Quan Chi and it was so fucking good. And I didn't eat all of it. I got to eat more the next day. And yep. uh, I'll do it to you. How yep. neat is that? You know, um, I go to Chinese orders, always the pot stickers, usually beef fried rice, but you know, I went with the combination fried rice this time. So when I treat myself, if I'm feeling real, uh, real adventurous, uh, we'll get some like sesame chicken and, uh, always, always a good go-to. Dude, take a deep walk on the wild side and check out their traditional Chinese menu. Um, they have, so yeah, they have like, you know, they're kind of like fair that we're used to seeing, but they have always been kind of like known in like Milwaukee's Chinese community for having a lot of those um, tastes of home and whatnot. And their, their menu explores a couple different regions, but I think it's mostly Cantonese and also some Sichuan um, cuisine. Oh, awesome. And yeah, so, and even so, everybody there is so kind and delightful that you can just ask them, like, hey, what do you recommend? Like, I normally like this, and they'll, like, steer you in the right direction. Um, shout out to Boiled Beef with Sichuan Sauce, and then, uh, God, the green beans, I think it's, like, green beans and, like, a garlic sauce. It's just, you really can't oh, mess it up. Okay. Also good, salt and pepper squid. Fuck oh, me up with salt and pepper that squid. sounds amazing. I, yeah, salt and pepper, S&P, into it, squid. I fuck with squid hard. Who does? You know, a lot of people don't. But I mean, 2021, if you're out there, if you're listening to this, tuning in at home, this is the sign you need. If you don't fuck with squid, you should. Go get, get it out. <laughs> yeah, turn this off. Just, you know, I'm not, I don't want to tell people to tune out, but press pause, get some salt and pepper squid, come right back, listen to the rest of these rants and rambles. And uh, that's right. Oh, can't miss yeah. that one. Shout out to Huan Chi, um, big time. So, so we can talk. Obviously, we can talk about that area of the East Side all day because a lot of um, great spots over there. But Sam, we're here to talk about you. We're going to talk about your uh, your poetry and uh, your creative process. So, so that said, um, so you grew up. You said you grew up here. So, were you like um, were you like an English kid? Like, was that your strong suit? Um. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I was always a good writer. Uh, like, I think a very good writer. There was this weird mix-up where I wound up in, like, honors math and not honors English, but I can't, still can't do math with a calculator, so that was weird. Um, 
I was a actually a music kid. I was a total exceptional band nerd um, and was really into it. The people I was around were like super into that too. And um, that's actually more of kind of like my thing or it was more of my thing and uh you I don't know this... well yeah uh <laughs> played the flute <laughs> which my, um my sister and mom both played flute I'm i was not gonna the saxophone hell yeah you were smart you were wise dude the flute sucks man that instrument's i just <laughs> i love it i love it more than anything um I started, I pursued a degree in creative writing because I knew that there was no way that I could pursue a career in music um, for reasons actually related to just like how difficult it is to kind of like deal with the culture of the flute and flute players, not gonna lie. Like it's a very difficult kind of like group of people to run with. Um, and I've always said that even more so because like, you know, I played other instruments uh clarinet and sax as well but then accordion um i always said that even though the flute and the saxophone are like the same fingerings writing poetry feels much more akin to playing a flute than even like playing a saxophone um there's definitely this like kind of visceral nature that comes with like the way that you interact with like the head joint of a flute um that marries your breath with like the music in such a weird direct and indirect way that you really do capture with poetry um as you play the flute your breath skips over this open tone hole and the majority of your breath just goes out into the ether and just dissipates very little is responsible for making that sound um you have this whole breath that comes out but only a portion of it is really relevant to this final product, but you couldn't have that sound without all of that breath, especially yeah, that yeah. which has been cast away. And the reduction of like, you know, kind of like the mess of words it takes to write, like, you know, um, a paragraph, the reduction of that into this more like nebulous idea with poetry, um, it feels very akin to that like abandonment of breath and this like abandonment of like deeply conventional spoken and written structure um, that becomes extremely freeing because what you find in that in that like left space is what you put forth. So flute, poetry, yeah, definitely was more of a music <laughs> whack job. Like I want to say nerd, weirdo, something like that, geek. But I think it was just kind of a just a little bit wackadoo. It was so much fun. Um, still love it still play shout out to quarantine what else are you gonna do but torture your neighbors with like you know weird french etudes yeah. like i don't <laughs> sleep she doesn't have to either clearly yeah uh but yeah and then poetry feels similar yeah right well i i really appreciate that um that juxtaposition there um you know how you know, really the um, driving force of the breath being so integral to the delivery and the expression. Um, I think that's, there's a lot to be said about that. So I really appreciate that, um, that uh, connection there, that creative connection. Um, yeah, so that said, so what, what kind of drew you into poetry and, and like, at what point did that happen? <laughs> Uh, I wanted to be a little flute player. 
but I needed to get, I knew I needed to get a job. So I figured I'd get a marketable degree. The only thing that makes it creative writing with an emphasis in poetry major sound marketable is when the alternative is music performance. So, I mean, like I pursued that kind of knowing that like at its core, a uh, writing degree has not, it has inherent benefit because it teaches you kind of like, you know, just like critical thinking is like the way that like a teacher, a high school teacher would explain it. But like, honestly, how to navigate thought and how to navigate other people's thoughts, the process of reading and writing um, brings you that. You get a lot of discipline because the critique process, what you write a poem, that thing is deeply personal. And you put that on a page, give it to a like jury of your peers in a workshop class. And sometimes they just look at you and you'll have a cruel person in that class and just look at you and be like, are you a dumbass? Um, but you have to, you know, navigate that. But also just like, if you can articulate your thoughts, if you can speak, if you can understand what others say, if you can help other people um, say, speak and understand as well, those are invaluable job traits. And I actually picked all that up and I worked in finance graduating college. Uh, investments actually like i said can't do math don't know who decided trusting me with that with money was a good idea but um and then i realized that uh was not worth the ennui so then apparently copywriting sounded like a great idea and here i here i am actually right yeah where'd you, where'd you go to college uwm baby east side hey. i uh you can't really see it, um, but I have a I have a pennant. Uh, go Panthers! What's up? I yeah. still can't tell you what sports we had, if any, but I like <laughs> there. It was Same. I. Same. I love UWM. <laughs> I'm actually I'm still very close with a lot of the professors that I had by nature of being in the poetry scene. Um, and over the years, kind of like coming to that point where like I can call some of them like my friends and peers. Yeah. Um, has been wild that that institution has so much going for it and has done so much for so many people I care about. Um, of course it has its flaws, many, but it treated me really well. Um, their undergraduate creative writing program, brilliant, perfect. Uh, anybody out here listening in space who's already done an MA or an MFA, like if you're looking to get that PhD, uh, they have a great PhD program too. I'll never experience it. I think uh, the end of my bio in my book and like in a couple other places is no MFA, no PhD, no gods, no masters, XOXO. Right. No, no. I, what is it? Idolatry or yeah. Yeah. Oh, dead ass. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a, uh, that's been a big kind of like cornerstone of like my poetic practice is grappling with the fact that um, the people around me are deeply accomplished. Um, very well studied, um, brilliantly educated, and uh, I'm not, <laughs> but I think I have a good idea of what I stand for, and most of what I stand for is just like making space for the people around me. It's not even, I mean, like, I like writing. I love, I, no, I, I, I write. That's just what I do, but I think that uh, poetry, poetry kind of sucks if you're the only person doing it, you know, yeah. so in order to not be the only person doing it, you need to get the people around you to want to do it and want to do more. And 
break down those barriers that sometimes like you see words like MFA or PhD. You see these freaky letters that like make you think that the person next to you is, you know, that you'll always be inferior inferior until you get those letters. Um, even though I can't quite shake the inferiority complex myself and I don't think I ever will, um, I should spend a whole lot of time telling other people not to pay attention to them and to just do it. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think that academia has a very important place in poetry. Um, without it, I mean, you need it. Yeah. And brilliant things come out of it. Brilliant things come out of Milwaukee's programs. Um, but I don't think everybody needs those to be successful or to have fun or to feel or to release or to, you know, have a good like little knife fight on the page and like wrestle something out and, you know, put that into the void and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, higher academia, um, you know, shouldn't be like uh, your like gateway to feeling that this is you deserve to do this versus you don't deserve to do this you know it should it should be perceived as a tool you know a tool that provides you skill sets and uh you know appropriate um guidance and instruction to learn how to like manage your creative process and uh, you know and not um not put yourself in a box but you know unfortunately um there's there's a lot of issues revolved revolving around um higher education that you and i are not equipped to solve um but uh, a lot of it has to do with uh you know mountains and mountains of debt uh that i don't think i don't i don't, I don't know if, if it, it's ever going to get paid um I, i'm not uh I try not to think about it, but you, you get what I'm saying. You know, it's like I, I graduated in journalism and uh, there's very like little, like liberal arts is just such a hyper competitive market. And uh, I, and I, I wasn't prepared for just like how much I felt thrust into the world with very little direction or structure. And I, I wish I would have learned more, like just more about, it's like yeah like i learned how to write a resume or a cover letter but at the end of the day like a lot of it is about who you know and it doesn't matter like and you, what your connections are you know it's it's not even about your skill sets most of the time you could be so fucking like dope at whatever qualifications but it's frustrating i i highly recommend college but it's not for everybody kind of echoing what you were saying um and uh, I think I think that if uh, we are to encourage folks to 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 um, to apply to college, you know, I think just sort of like just the money aspect, the financial aspects, just really de incentivizes a lot of people, and it's very unfortunate because many folks could uh, draw immense benefit, you know. Oh, absolutely, and I think like the one thing that I think um, I came into it pretty. Well, I think I had a good mindset when I, I mean, like I didn't get a poetry degree because I thought that I was going to be like, you know, the next American Poet Laureate or I didn't get a poetry <laughs> degree. I, you know, I wasn't doing it so I could like get those deep pockets because right. I can tell you right now, poetry uh, is a fast way to go broke. Thank God that paper's cheap. Um, 
because it doesn't i knew that it wouldn't pay the bills i think uh reminding young people that like if they choose to pursue a degree that they don't need to be married to a future career that they can kind of like look at a lot of like liberal arts degrees for like the things that like the building blocks they teach you um you know with journalism and creative writing i think we could say the exact same things that it is very valuable to be able to use and understand the written word to know how to listen to people to know how to communicate um and that translates to any number of careers in any number of like management senior levels any of this like it's an important thing grad school is when you can like really you know kneel down and like hammer out like a directed career move um but just understanding that like that undergraduate process there's so many more doors um and you know the thing is like yeah to get i think like one of those like baller careers it is who you know but I think you can find a lot of happiness. Um, you can find a lot of happiness with something that like at least covers your needs um, and then gives you, you know, I mean, like I work from eight to five, but then from five to eight, uh, I've got time to write. I've got time to play music. I've got time to be just a dumbass. I have time to be, I have time to be a drunk. <laughs> right on, a dumb yeah. drunk. That's yeah, a, yeah, a dumb creative drunk just yeeting poetry into the experience. That's what I'm doing right now. You know, like, hell yeah, we're doing and we're doing this uh, for the good people at home. It's 10 18 p.m. Because why? We both had shit to do today. I had to work. I had to go do the little like furniture dance, and that opened up all of this other time in the day to like pursue these things that are really meaningful. That like. I mean, yeah, my personal life aligns more with my degree than my professional life, but that degree got me a place in the professional sector that gave me the stability to yeah. be able to pursue the creative things. Uh, that is an immensely, I just said something so privileged. It's ridiculous. Um, the ability to spend an hour, two hours, six hours, however many writing, reading, drinking, talking, is huge we don't yeah. not not everyone has it yeah. um poetry has done too much for me and i really owe it you know you gotta be a you gotta i'm paying i'm paying back poetic debt at this point <laughs> because it really has done more for me than i have done for it well that being said um that's a good segue actually into talking a little bit more about uh yeah just how you kind of infiltrated the scene here in milwaukee uh, well, first, I experienced a significant amount of uh, emotional death when I decided to work in finance, and I stopped writing after college. Um, and then one day, I got like a Facebook memory, someone commented on a picture from this undergraduate reading that I'd done for Brenda Cardenas's class at Art Bar. Um, I said, I remember I set it up. <laughs> <laughs> I was underage and she never asked, is everyone in this class 21? She eventually did the day before the reading. I just raised my hand. I'm like, I'm not like, Sam. <laughs> so we had that reading five years later, someone messaged like comments, like on this memory, like, oh, this is so cool. And I'm like, dude, get the band back together. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. So um, put together this reading at Art Bar, you know, the scene of crime um, and called it like the 2011 revival show. And it was fun and two people asked me the exact same question. It was not, when are you gonna do this again? 
but or not if you're going to do it again, but when. So then I kind of, you know, had some dumb ideas. Uh, I started writing again to like prepare for that. Had some ideas about really putting together some like bangers of readings and holding true to some like very specific tenets, uh, which is fuck academia and needing to create access points like that are inherently tied to like pretension and like elitism. Um, and uh, I'm gonna say real quick, my favorite place in this entire city, literally, it's, it, there's nothing that, no place that means more to me than Woodland Pattern. Woodland Pattern is literally, I'm, it is every, it is everything. My, like, I, I, I could go on. Uh, I will, I will, I'll circle back, you know, yeah, but I was really sick of places like, you know, Woodland Pattern where you had to pay a big cover and it was a lot of academic like academic focus there was a lot of like you kind of had this feeling of like well if you're not part of the in crowd like why are you there um and I wanted to start like a reading series that created more access in a place where like people were more comfortable and like could see poetry as like a fun thing to do it'd be I wanted poetry to be like going to a show um a music show seeing a local band instead you just go and like you take in poetry I was hosting these things at VAR Gallery, where I'm a writer in residence still. Um, and like, you know, they got a bar and it's pretty and there's art and cool people on a great location. And I wanted to create something special. So I started the first poetry series, Poets Read Some Stuff Someplace in Milwaukee. Started out with a banger of a lineup uh, featuring like Derek Carell. Um, kept getting, just constantly had incredible poets um, and supporting poets on that one. That one had a cover. I made sure everyone got paid. And like, that was very much like the focus of that. Um, and then it had like a little, and that was quarterly. I also had another quarterly series, a little kid, kid sister to it, Short Shots. I had a co-curator, Annie Grizzle on that. And like, shout out. Yeah, you know, like we had a lot of emerging poets there. People who'd never like performed for the first time people who are curious about it or like who had always been writing but like you know whatever and we like you know we'd keep our ears to the ground and it's like someone would just like you'd hear someone mention poetry across the room and you'd feel it like your ears would burn go like <laughs> do you want to read it for people though <laughs> and try and create platforms access points places for people to perform and to feel safe and feel comfortable rooms that were stripped of that academic pretension but if you're an academic, come on through. I mean, I had tons of academics on my series um, because they are poets and like, because they're, I don't hate them because they're academics. I hate ac academia for creating a false sense of difference between, a, for creating an us and them dichotomy. Oh yeah, 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 the pretenses. Yeah. Oh yeah, screw that. So, but here's the thing, man, you can be, an, you can be inherently an academic, but when you step on my stage, we don't, we, we are not going to take that away from you, but we don't care. That's not why you're there. This is a community, you know, and regardless of your credentials or whatever, you're here because of what you do and not, not what, not like what tells you societal, societally that you're more valued than all these other people. Cause that's, that, that's not how it works really. Exactly. And like, there's so, but, you know, in a lot of ways, 
enough people will tell you that is how it works. And sometimes they'll tell you without using words, they'll just show you. Um, but I never wanted to do that. I never wanted to be that person. Um, and I think that's kind of like how I, you know, kind of like became really part of Milwaukee's community. Um, it was not because I was like some badass writer that like, you know, oh, cool. She's, she write, writes good words. Um, I feel like along the way people decided they liked some of whatever nonsense I was up to um, yelling mostly. I think the people just like yelling um, and cheap wine. Uh, yeah, my book release was a book release with also some music um, and a cheap wine potluck. Uh, I have been I had been told very shortly after by the executive directors of Woodland Pattern that it was the, the first cheap wine potluck they ever had and the last because uh, someone puked down the stairs while I was reading. Damn. <laughs> and you're drinking Francia or some shit? Like yeah, that? no, worse, man. I think like I was up, I was on stage for my book release drinking out of a bottle of Wild Irish Rose. Like, nah, dude, we went for everything from like the top shelf being like, you know, Trader Joe's $3 or like shout out to Whole Foods Three Wishes. That was the top shelf. All the way down, baby. All the way down. Ride that night train into down, down the stairs, puke down them. And then shout out to Franklin K.R. Klein and Jenny Grapp for quietly cleaning it up during the reading and not telling me about it to make me feel sad or guilty that night. And then the next day just be like, yo, this happened. So we still laugh about it. Um, Woodland pattern though, like there was a big change of tides um, when actually, so the founders, Ann and Carl are like two of the most incredible people I've ever met. Um, very just beloved human beings who I adore to the ends of this earth. Um, as they transitioned out, well, Carl had left, he had been on the board and then had just like left the board and was turning over the institution to new executive directors, Jenny and Laura. And when they came in, there was a big focus and a big push to open up those floodgates and really just make it a more accessible place for the community that it aims to serve. Um, I got to be part of that fabric as somebody, you know, performing there. Um, I introduced a bunch of fantastic poets who I've always just respected from across the nation. Um, I curated readings. I had my book release there. I taught a workshop for lapsed, like the lapsed writers revival workshop for people who had been writers, but then stopped for whatever reason and like how to kind of reintegrate that practice. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I got asked to join their board of directors um, and really be part of that evolution to be a deeply inclusive space. I've been part of that, you know, really at an intimate level. And that's the single greatest thing I've ever done with poetry, uh, shoulder to shoulder with the greatest people I've ever been part of a community with. Um, Shout out to Woodland Pattern. I think like, if there's one thing that I can say, like we have kind of three distinct scenes in this, like distinct scenes in the city. You have like, you know, our spoken word community, which is just like, I, I could try to speak to it, but you need to, you have had other like movers from that scene on your podcast. There are so many more to talk to. Um, people who are just like, 
that's just that's where that's where everything is just like alive with joyous noise um but there's that there's the academic scene um and then there's like the diy kind of like you know people who are scrapping around without credentials and just like really doing it for doing it for the art and i think we're trying to get everybody everybody to feel at home at woodland pattern uh, as opposed to just really catering towards like an old guard um i just i i don't even know what the question was man i just went off i oh, running I, I didn't know no worries um it was about just how you infiltrated the scene which you not only answered but you uh expanded upon with like how it would really um how you would like really champion inclusivity and involvement uh and community uh through woodland pattern it's it sounds like that place was just such a like instrumental part for you so yeah shout out to woodland pattern there's the bookstore where you can buy a lot of like today's new and now poets you can also buy um any of uh, so many local works so many people have their books there and you also can look through a very rich rich inventory that serves as like an archive of like native american poetry our indigenous poetry like kind of like in um like in kind of like this locale um yeah and you can really explore a lot that's headed up by peter brzezinski um everything looks pretty because uh marla who does all of the design work is just an absolute whiz and then alexa's role um is the educational director so doing poetry camp doing outreach into mps um making sure that making sure that literary arts is not something that's just like held for older people that it's really that people are given these tools to um use language at a young age i mean let's think about it like name an art there's gonna be overhead there's you gotta buy colored pencils if you want to draw with colored pencils um poetry you can do it as literary arts you can do with as little as a piece of paper and like you know a pen you found on the ground um and i think getting those tools into the hands of kids in mps and like you know in kind of like our targeted neighborhoods that's the start you know that's yeah. give people tools it never leaves you once you start, it doesn't go away. And that's such a such a thing that is just so deprived um, in MPS. Like, you know, you have kids that are um, going to schools that have like maybe one sports team and no after school clubs, and you kids aren't uh, they they aren't um, granted the the uh, opportunities and the resources to express themselves in abstract ways or, or like, you know, actually really embrace the arts as potentially finding themselves in it, you know, like, those are privileges that, like, I definitely had, I, I'm like, any, many of us did have that, that didn't, that didn't grow up in NPS, but, you know, it, it just, it breaks my heart when, um, you know, the arts programs are the first to go when like you have uh, shit bags like Scott Walker and because it's seen as such a like an auxiliary, auxiliary um, way of educating folks. 
literally like words can be enough to like not to sound morbid but save people's lives you know to, to to make the difference between like whether or not someone feels the meaning to like keep moving forward in such a like really hellish and cruel and vile society or not to um you know this is just a a, a personal example um i started keeping a dream journal um I've been writing in since August you know I'm not super consistent about it it's sort of like a sporadic thing but like I used to have such vivid dreams that would make me feel like something's wrong with me or that like I I would get like literally self-conscious about like you know like what my dreams would depict and everything but right actually be, getting to like write things down in a pseudo poetic way like has allowed me to make sense of that. It gives clarity and closure with your emotions. It, it's a way of self-validation. Even just today, you know, like I was telling you earlier that like, you know, I was having a, a weird morning. I was feeling a lot of sorts, but then I, I wrote my dreams down from last night and I felt better instantly. And imagine if kids that grow up in poverty and harsh socioeconomic conditions and are like, might have, you know, some, some domestic trouble, like have trouble at home. Imagine if just a pen and a paper and a, and an instructor who was passionate about the, about the medium, like sat down with them and told them, Hey, you can write what you're feeling down and come to terms with it. Oh yeah. I agree 100% with every single thing that you had to say. Um, and like, I mean, dude, imagine being one of those kids and all of a sudden somebody says, hey, so, you know, words like those things that you literally use every day to say, like, hey, can I go to the bathroom or like, you know, buy a soda or something? Those things that you use to say, I love you to somebody or, you know, fuck you or this or that, that those things can be art. Like. That gives kids this idea that, like, if you if you teach them that words can be art then all of a sudden something that they use every single day is a tool of art i mean dude it's like it's like writing every piece of paper like writing every assignment in an expensive like like in watercolor it's like doing every it's like writing a note in watercolor every single day the most banal, banal things are suddenly grandiose once you begin to equate words with art um and unfortunately, you can't tell somebody who, you know, can't put food on the table that they need to buy these watercolors so that they can write all of their, like, you know, they can draw all of their notes out as paintings. You know, it's really hard to get supplies in the hands of people who, you know, are, have a lot of needs to fulfill first. Um, words are always there, though. And, like, that's why literary arts, I think, like, really needs to be more and more of a focus in our schools because um people like Alexa are out here teaching kids that they were that they inherently are art and that if they see themselves as art then they can be that at all moments um and that's why that's why like as much as I love writing poetry and you know I think that I've done some good things from time to time um the only thing that's important to me is that other people write it or feel comfortable writing it or like 
acknowledge that it's a tool that can help people. Um, that's all I care about at this point. Um, yeah. I want that kid to wake up and think that like, that him saying what's up to the bus driver, that those words are something powerful, that words are power. Um, They're not just some arbitrary like filler for- Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that they're actually like an active welcoming of interaction and sharing space, yeah. It's power, that word is that spoken, written, thought, considered, heard that words are power and that it gives that these people who speak and also you know people who speak you know ASL or have other different means of communicating um that everybody has means of communication it might not be written or spoken but any means of communication is power and you don't need to it's not like i need to show up and give it to you on a silver platter for you to know that but i think like people get browbeaten so much and told that their thoughts don't matter that their words don't matter that this or that um and if i can help break down that perception that like somebody feels less than that's all i want to do um and i want to be part of institutions that aim to break down barriers I want to you know be shoulder to shoulder with people like yourself who have this like mindedness that we really need to give we need to give everybody these free tools that like they use to like participate in like day-to-day interaction we need to just make sure that they know that those are tools that can be used for anything that the sky is the limit and also you don't need to I mean dude you can just write poetry just because you feel like talking shit with yourself. Like it doesn't oh, yeah. need to be this yeah. revolutionary act either. And that's the thing. Right. It's like, just it doesn't have to be, yeah. It, do whatever. it yeah. doesn't have to have any level of like grandiose performance. Like it, it can literally just be yourself, like having a conversation with yourself, you know, like, I t- like talking to yourself is a beautiful thing and there's many ways to do it. And, yeah. um, yeah, and uh, validating that for those that are holding things in that need to be verbalized, whether it's verbalized literally or in the form of writing it down, journaling or something like that. And uh, Sam, we're, we're definitely going to collab in the future. I, I think you and I see very eye to eye on this topic, and uh, I, I, I do hope we can collab because- Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm eager to. Like, yeah, very like eager. Yeah, especially after- this wonderful podcast so um so uh that being said so tell me about alms tell me about the the new uh that your it's it's your most recent book right yeah it's not new anymore i mean this baby came out in uh 2018 um yeah and that sounds so recent but it really that's a long ass time ago at this point um it you know what 2019 still feels like last year Oh yeah, honestly, so I just had to change my password on my work computer and I tried to change it to like something 2020 and it didn't let me because I changed it to something 2020 last year. Um, yeah, it's so already it's like, April of this new year. Right ooh, uh, I know, whack. Dude, yeah, I mean, but at least we're coming into summer and like we all know what Milwaukee summers are like, you know, pandemic or not. 
Oh, um, yeah. As a city, we're doing a pretty good job. As a county, we're doing a good job of getting people vaccinated. Um, yeah. And we do have a lot of like outdoor spaces to occupy and like stay safe and distance. And I know a lot of people who have gotten that second jab already. A lot of people on their way to it. I've got it, you know? Yeah. Um, and just like, we've been dealing with this fragile hell for so long. Uh, we sure have. Yeah. yeah, I could I could fill up an hour of your time just talking about like the days leading to this. Um, I think one of the most harrowing things was I looked back at almost a year to the date, like I think like March 1st, I looked into my history and then I found the picture uh, from March 4th of the Johns Hopkins University dashboard, the COVID tracker that I'd already been following for like a good chunk of time. Um, and I had just a picture of it that I sent to a friend and I'm like, gonna get a third monitor from my desk and put this up just to tell people that the world's ending. Um, and the United States had 148 reported cases, nine deaths in King County, Washington, and that was it, um, as of that day that I took that picture. So, like, coming into it, I have this, like, very visceral, horrifying, just swath of memory that, like, of the feeling of the end really just, like, sinking into, like, my heart. But yeah, I mean, we have like a lost year. So in reality, like, you know, we can take one year off the age of this bad boy. Um, yeah, yeah. So tell I me have, about, yeah, I'd love to hear more about just like the contents of the book itself. Well, it's kind of fucked up. It's, um, I think like it's very aggressive. Um, okay. I would say a lot of it, in trying to understand like where my writing kind of style comes from, I at one point told somebody, I'm like, I have a really good way of like writing about very specific things without ever talking about it. Like there's an elephant in the room and I will describe every single thing in that room. And you're just left with this elephant shaped blank space. And that's the point. I will never address the point head on, but I'll work my way around it. Um, and I think like a lot of these poems, I mean, there's six parts to it. I think a lot of these poems um come from like some very like difficult places and times i mean we have like a, this one of the sections is just about milwaukee which you know hell yeah i think that's milwaukee was built on swamp and bile and if you don't think so you're not wrong and the artist uh what you call it shout out to her that did all the art she did these little line drawings and that's my house oh uh, nice yeah and a little that's my front door and that little pit down there. Um, but like, you know, there's that, there's like, um, there's a whole section on like mental illness. There's a section of new poems that are like, you know, reading them, it really kind of catapults me back to a much more unstable and unsavory time. There's old poems that it's like, you know, you kind of like feel, you really feel a lot of these like strange, you feel a lot of these like very strange memories that just like come up and just like throw up on you to ruin your day or you know they sneak up and it reminds you that like that you had an experience but then you chose to like describe it like that um and maybe three or four three or four year wow, 18, 19, 
three or four years later, you know, um, you know, you think like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it like that anymore, but I'm really glad that I said it like this and that it's here and that it's around. There'll be more manuscripts someday. I have one like really messed up one. It's a 500 part list poem that I'm still like workshopping. It's a, it's a disaster. Uh, it's a terrifying piece of writing. Um, I don't know what I'm doing with that, but like, there'll be more collections. There'll be more things, but this is definitely just like a big old tome from a time. It's long. It's 200 pages long, which is abnormally long for a collection of poetry. Um, I wanted it to feel overwhelming. I didn't want it to be a book that people would necessarily finish. I wanted it to like, you know, the first half of it be like kind of like curled and gross and the back half you clearly never opened. Um, it's trade paperback size. So it's small. Um, it's the size of a romance novel and a pick and save grocery, like, you know, line. Um, very indicative of like low art. I wanted the background to be white so that when you like grab it and throw it in your purse or like toss it in the mud, it gets dirty. This is my copy that I've had and done readings with this whole time. And it's got like a grime layer on it that you can like scratch off. It's falling apart. Um, and I want it to be, I wanted the physicality to really like reflect a lot of these very specific things. Um, I didn't want to blurb the back. I instead wrote this like kind of messed up like manifesto um, of just kind of the ethos of the book. I didn't want to like, go find like, okay, who's the most famous poet with a capital P that I know that I could get to say something nice after reading the first two poems and not actually reading the manuscript. Um, it's kind of like an anti-academic treatise on bullshit. Um, it's like the punk ethos almost, but of poetry. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I mean, like literally my, like, I think I told you before this uh, in my bio, it ends with no MFA, no PhD, no gods, no masters, XOXO, just like being cheeky because um, do I wish that, do I wish that it said on my LinkedIn that I had some sort of advanced degree in poetry, therefore listen to me and take me seriously? Yeah, I have imposter syndrome uh, at the ass. It's horrible. Um, I talk shit about academia, but I desperately want to be part of the cool kids club. Oh yeah. Um, but I definitely like, I'm trying to learn to respect myself and that I'm not an academic, but that doesn't mean that my work is invalid um, or that it won't resonate or like help someone or that it just won't be like entertaining and weird. I mean, this shit's just weird. It's just weird. It's a bunch of weird poems. Uh, we got, we got hits like Denim Daddy. That's a weird one. We have a bunch of poems about how I get really freaked out because I don't understand nature or why anybody would camp partake in it if there's not streetlights around i don't want to be there like and there's like six poems about that uh we've got a bunch of like things dreams dreamscapes um a common dream is uh let's see um ballerinas but there's skewers through their knees so their legs are like locked and they just kind of keep spinning around got a poem about that yeah so it's just weird shit wow. 200 pages of weird shit i i love that i'm i'm, I'm into it um that's cool i um yeah no, i appreciate you uh sharing that um it sounds like a a, a collection of um ref reflections and observations of yourself relative to 
know, what is often very valued by like society around you and you kind of being like, oh no, that's not for me. I'm not super academic or I'm not super, you know, a lot of people love camping, but I'm not, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't do that. No, that's not, that's just a natural <laughs> response to like, I'm from the city, you know? Yeah. I uh, grew up, grew up with streetlights. Uh, don't yeah. understand why you'd want to go get your ass murdered by, by not an animal. I, th- I just like have this like irrational fear that there's just like people waiting, waiting for you. Yeah, I don't blame I don't blame you for that fear. Out there, but out out in the sticks, not here. I mean, dude, in the city, it's uh there's a lot of us. More more good people than bad people and a lot of unfortunate circumstances what causes harm to people. Uh I'm safe here. (laughs) Not in the sticks. But no, I mean, like it's that, but I think the physicality, I really wanted it to be that kind of like anti-academic thing. Meanwhile, on the inside, it's just weird shit. Like I said, like, how can we talk about trauma, but trauma, but make it teeth. Okay. Oh, sure. You know, like, oh, bad relationship, but like, let's just really think about how gross hands are. Um, you know, sure. it's, it's weird, man. Poetry is strange. Uh, I don't it's always nuanced. like, I don't always like the stuff I wrote. And I, sometimes I think I was really melodramatic, but like I was probably melodramatic because I felt really intense and, you know, that's valid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like there's, there's, there's a lot of nuances to it. Um, and, uh, and also like, yeah, you like, what, what I love about poetry is it can really like give attention to kind of what you were saying about like the elephant to the room without actually like you know directly like identifying what you're referring to like it kind of it kind of gets attention to some more of those like uh accessory details of situations and uh, arbitrary um observations in, in in different scenarios and uh and like, I, I think that's cool. Like, you know, I resonate a lot with people that are, or art or whatever it is, that's very blunt and right to the point. And it's like, we know what you're talking, like you're, you're not holding back, but I like the more cerebral, ah, cerebral approach to it too. Um, where like, you're also, you're kind of putting yourself there. You're, you're envisioning it. Like you're, you're painting pictures in your mind where, as you're saying, the words being art, you know, they take you into these microcosms of imagination based on the text. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very into that, you know, like I'm very used to it in the musical sense, but you know, it works without it too. So um, right on. Uh, I appreciate you sharing uh, a little bit more about uh, Alms. Yeah. And uh, you know, support your local bookstore, buy it from Woodland Pattern. Uh, you know, can you buy it on Amazon? Yeah. Should you? No. Yeah, um, right, right. Or the publisher, Vegetarian Alcoholic Press, shout out to uh, Freddie for that. Um, you can buy it directly off that site too. Um, but yeah, support support the, support the people who are doing the good work with the words. Um, you know um, Mikey Cody Apollo by any chance? Absolutely. I featured her on a what a bitchin book dude honestly i started up an open mic night at the jazz estate um 
Very much. And that was like the ultimate exercise in creating a platform for people. And that event always had like the mic portion before and after, but it also had a featured poet, you know, somebody from the scene that just like probably a friend, somebody I adore. And uh, I also had a vinyl DJ, Steph Lippert. I uh, love Steph. That's the best. Big shout out to Steph Lippert. Oh, oh yeah. hard, hard shout out. God, just oh, yeah. one of the best people. Grandma, yeah, no, she was Grandma Matrix. DJ Grandma yeah. Matrix. Hell yeah, Fridays at the yeah. Jazz Escape, but you know, yeah. a year ago. Um, she would DJ all vinyl, just like jams behind people, behind the mic people, but then also the features and really just like create this like beautiful kind of sound experience you know where you really supported that um you really supported the words with like just this really beautiful sound behind it and mikey was one of the features on there um they were all incredible but like you know as somebody that kind of like i really love and respect in the scene that was a ton of fun um fucking love mikey like god yeah she's a good friend of mine and um i'm very grateful for her uh dude and she does she does so much community work too that like you can't probably can't be like a good person in the city without crossing paths with her you know what i mean oh yeah absolutely you know like her work with poetry her work with house of renji her work with milwaukee film um, now she's with ubuntu, ubuntu. ubuntu yes yeah. like Holy shout shit. out to Dr. Monique Liston too. My God. Big shout out to Dr. Liston. Um, she Dr. Liston is so fucking awesome and funny and just so much great energy. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm so grateful to be uh acquainted with that woman as well. Um, you know, it's we are very, very fortunate to have just such great, great people, great people like uplifting you know the black experience the black women experience um so all that said um so we were talking a little bit uh at the beginning about just like how you've been making this whole poetry thing work during covid and um yeah i'd, I'd love to hear you just kind of what you've been up to in the last year what if what if uh what have you partaken in um so you know I haven't done anything. I haven't like created or done anything. I haven't hosted. I haven't done, I haven't kept up with kind of like the role that I was on before. Um, and I think like part of that is because I haven't had bandwidth and that's okay. But I've been fortunate enough to participate on a lot of readings kind of throughout. Um, and that's been cool. It's been different. It's been weird. And I remember the first one, uh, the first one was like a recorded thing, you know, like some of them are pre-recorded, some of them are live, some of them are on Zoom, some of them are on like Facebook Live, the Harambe Poetry Slam with uh, Unique Russ, my God, also just another big shout out, biggest shout out, uh, just, oh God, I'd say like top five local, local poet buddies, uh, Unique yeah. for sure. Um, also a alumna of uh, the Jazz Estate reading series. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the Harambe Poetry Slam was really cool. Uh, the Woodland Pattern Poetry Marathon, all online. Everybody recorded clips. It went on for two days, 24 hours of poetry. Um, that was surreal and wild. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, like I've just done a bunch of these online things. Um, and I think I've had much more fun just watching other people figure it out themselves too. And like watching a lot of poets that I used to see at readings instead, they're just like recording themselves and posting it on Facebook because it's like, well, get it out there, you know? Um, series that like normally would take place in person like this one i did it april of last year for poetry month and did it this year just submitted it uh for saint john's on the lake the old folks home down on prospect mm -hmm. um there's like a reading series for that you know we record a clip they compile it they show it at a certain time to the residents and like it brings people into the same room uh one interesting thing too that we have really been able to do that you can't when you're kind of like in a room um there's so much more access for people like across the globe so we're having like viewership for events at woodland pattern and workshops for people nationally and internationally we're able to bring people in and like part of their like we pay the honorarium but we don't have to account for travel time or like lodging or this or that and it's not that we're saving money it's just that like people who have tighter schedules we're able to accommodate them because it's digital as opposed to having to be like okay but this date 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 so like watching a lot of a lot of access points emerge is like the one really good thing um that poetry marathon we had people participate that never would have been in milwaukee for it um yeah we had people watching it that never would have been in milwaukee for it and that's a really a beautiful thing to see this kind of like network get smaller yeah, or not smaller to see the network grow but to see the proximity everybody kind of like smushed together it's been cool yeah. um yeah i wish i had more emotional strength and bandwidth and like ability to host create curate um teach but i've been burnt out i don't blame you yeah. I don't. it's it's hard to place your expectations anywhere these days and um especially when you you don't know what kind of pain someone is going through uh in, in just such a you know a just multi dimensioned stress era you know that 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 uh quarantine has been and um that's why you know it's like if, if you haven't been doing anything creative uh in this past year I, I don't blame you at all you know like if you have been all the power to you that's wonderful that's fantastic but if you haven't you know i i, I sympathize with you you know like it's um it's it's weird and even at, even while we're kind of you know gaining on the light at the end of the tunnel here with like the vaccines and everything like you know we still we still can't be um complacent with the protocols you know we still can't be careless you know we can't be um overly zealous here um which is very very easy to do um so that's sad um what have you uh so, so do you have anything planned uh in the next couple months like where are you at right now uh no 
<laughs> uh, that's all right, you know. Yeah, and you know what? Yeah, that's a fine answer, man. Like, I can say no. Uh, like, I just recorded that thing for St. John's on the Lake. Depending on when this makes its way to the internet, uh, who knows when? Maybe that will have happened, and you can hit me up for a recording of it. Maybe it will not have happened yet, and you know, you can catch it as it goes. This will be about a. It'll be about a month. Okay, cool. Hit me up for the recording. <laughs> I might have it. I might not uh either way it's i think uh i don't know why i decided to i think i just i really enjoy infiltrating the bars i work at and like exploiting them for things besides the labor that i provide uh so it's just me like hanging out in a scarf in like, the upstairs of zocalo just like hi guys like yeah. here's some poems uh and i will be the first to admit all right, I don't write the most PG things. And it's like, you really do want to be kind of gentle for like an audience that you don't really know what they expect. Uh, so it is probably, it's probably the most uh, socially acceptable array of words I've put out there in a long time. Um, but you know, like at this point, so with uh, the good old WP, um, I was slated to be the curator, one of the curators of Poetry in the Park for last year, but <laughs> pandemic. So as we kind of explore what we're gonna do this year, I'm gonna have involvement in hosting that, some outdoor stuff. Um, you know, last year, Dasha, oh, oh, I did something this last summer that was pretty cool, covid -y poetry, uh, civil disturbance. Dasha Kelly, that's the number one shout out. Uh, our Once Wisconsin again, and Milwaukee sense. Poet Laureate. Yeah. Um, she hit me up one day and she's just like, hey, Sam, you want to do this? You want to like get on the back of this truck, roll around and just like yell poetry into the streets. Uh, and it was when the DNC was supposed to be here and there was still like a limited presence. So it's like, just read some anti-establishment poetry on this mic on this flatbed truck that we're just going to drive through the streets i'm like hell yeah <laughs> damn she's like you know we don't have permits for this and i'm like hell no you don't <laughs> she tells me too she's like i know you're always down for the spectacle and i'm like hell yeah so that was fun uh i would not be surprised if i did more like kind of gorilla stuff you know this coming year um i think i really just want to kind of take my poetic practice as something that's like a little less like structured, a little more chaotic. I don't know if I'm going to be really like hosting a lot, but I do want to do some stuff for me and to really like make it my own. Um, I have some exciting things kind of coming on in the horizon with Woodland Pattern. Um, keep talking about them. I feel like at this point in the past year, my poetic like focus has really been on like, how do we keep this tiny ass nonprofit alive? Well, it turns out when you've operated for 40 years on no budget, uh well budget but you know hey um you're really good at just surviving we're doing great for we're, we we're doing good but i think there's gonna be some exciting things coming up with them some cool programming some things we're working on and i just wanna i just wanna write some stupid stuff inspired by the milwaukee summers that like keep me living here mm. you know i want to go do i just want to go like hang out when the sun goes away because i hate the sun and just like feel feel the gross wet warm air that just smells so bad and feels so good 
you know oh man and i want to like, i want to write about that we're talking about reservoir park uh that, that comes to mind oh yeah dude uh had more than a few emotional moments there i think my personal favorite was being mad at the world with uh my buddy the aforementioned jeff uh standing at the top of that hill just being upset yeah. and uh anger is one of my favorite emotions man i know that sounds weird but like it really is like anger is a contrast emotion if you don't feel it if you don't like embrace it then what the hell does feeling good feel like yeah so, yeah what were you gonna say sorry for talking over you oh no, no no not not at all um i was gonna say my last breakup took place at reservoir park um mm -hmm. yeah on that one of one of those benches, like right when you walk into the park, like off of uh, Bremen. Uh, but at least it wasn't one of the top benches, though. Yeah, that would have ruined the whole park for me. <laughs> yeah, no, dead ass, dead ass, dead ass. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, no, I'm a I'm a avid uh, Reservoir Park uh, loyalist. I walk through there a couple times a week, um, and you know I'm very partial to Ugleaf Trail too, but um yeah. but, reservoir but, reservoir hill forever oh yeah absolutely sure. you know I, i've seen i've watched so many storms roll in on that hill and uh i've seen some beautiful sunsets and even some sunrises and it's just it's a it's a it's a hill to be at ease with your emotions whatever they are at that point um and uh the hill to die on dude reservoir it, hill that's the hill to die on if yeah. there ever was one right big shout out to reservoir park so many uh, shout outs dude we just need like we need an appendix of shout outs from this episode oh yeah like, i can't that's a i love doing that like i tag all the shout outs at, in the description so it's gonna be a good list um yeah so um, many so many yeah sam i appreciate you being on the show tonight uh this is a blast and um yeah i just love talking to you i love i love like uh what your perspective is uh especially like pertaining to your creative outlet being poetry and writing like in like relative to academia and like how like academia like so often you know co-ops your your creative process to like um pigeonhole people but but the way like you can the, the way that like you've allowed yourself to just like say fuck all of that and just do what you want and and live into the nuances is uh really inspiring and powerful and uh i i really i really appreciate uh you and being able to like share space with you tonight um this is this is a killer episode and um Great. Glad we could drink a couple beers and uh, shoot the shit here. I really appreciate it too, man. Uh, thank you so much for listening and also for yourself, like creating space and the nature of a podcast. Like, yeah, there's a visual component here, but um, the nature of it is like, you're also adding power to words and like to the things people say and holding space for them. Um, and that goes for everybody you've had on the show. And also um you've shared so much and so much perspective and it's been really great to um keep this a conversation and not just like some weird cold interview like I feel like I've learned a lot about you and we've 
it feels so much less lonely in a time when loneliness is a very inherent part of our experience um to be able to share time with somebody and not just spend it um and i feel like that's definitely what i'm coming out of here with this was like the fastest hour two hours now like yeah we started talking at like 9 16 man that's when i signed in uh and it's yeah but i think uh i think that this was really wonderful just great time for me too so thank you so much absolutely i'm I'm so glad you appreciate you and appreciate you saying all that and i'm really glad like we have this privilege to to share this platform you know and um yeah like i started today off really shitty i'm not gonna lie like i i was not looking forward to today at all but thanks to you i'm and i'm gonna be going to sleep tonight very very empowered and feeling great so thank you sam same um, i'm glad it, i'm glad this also wound up at the end of the day like yeah yeah I this hate, is a good night episode. <laughs> man i hate i hate i don't like sun man days yeah, day right. and sun are two in the same no yeah, i think this is, <laughs> this is good good um so on our way out i ask everyone the same two things um first question is uh sam what keeps you up at night uh, crippling insomnia, self-doubt, the imposter syndrome, uh, chronic alcoholism, but that's more of like a me keeping myself up. My cat, uh, crushing loneliness, general ennui. I don't know, man, like grab bag, negative emotions. Let's pick five, uh, assign one to each night of the week and we'll probably cover it all. Yeah, yeah I, I, I feel... I'm, I have chronic imposter syndrome as well. Um, never feel like I'm doing anything substantial ever, ever. Um, so I, I relate uh, to that one. And uh, I, yeah, I saw your cat a uh, number of times. I see your cat right there. Uh, oh yeah, he's, he's there. He's what's, just- What's his name? Max. He's a- Max. <laughs> he's a good, he's a good boy. Shout Great out boy. to Max. Let's- uh. Well, come here, little bud. Dude, I'm also rocking the, uh, you know, shirt up top, weird biker shorts on the bottom, the uh, day jobber's uniform when you're working from home. I'm wearing and, the, uh, uh, I'm wearing the Luxie shirt. You know what? Do you know who she is? Oh, yeah. When I played with Karen's, we played with her like several times. She's awesome. Yeah, she's, um, she's so cool. Dude, what? How does one person have so much energy? Like just an exceptionally like just intense presence so much intensity and like how can one person fill a room so yeah. thoroughly she I, like it, yeah she she's like creating like her own like virtual art gallery these days too like Luxie uh, is one of the coolest people in the city oh my god i gotta go like i gotta go stalk her out online and see what she's up to because like i think like yeah, the last show I played with Karen's like, or one of the, no, second last maybe, uh, was with her and another band called Karen's from Montana. Oh, so, cool. oh yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I remember this. Wasn't this like uh, at X-Ray Arcade? <laughs> it yeah. Was, that was a weird night. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. We also haven't even shouted out John Larkin. Uh, dude, what's up, John? I haven't yeah. heard from him in a pandemic amount of time. Oh, wait, no. 
I think I heard, I heard from one. What a, what a, what a smart, like yeah. a smart, talented guy. I love, I do love Cairns. I didn't actually get to see them until um, it was only him and Eli. Um, but uh, I have an oversized can Cairn shirt uh, that he hand delivered to me this past summer. So big shout out to Cairns. Um, love, I, I do love his music a lot. So um, the most hyper industrious person that like sometimes you don't get it, but then you kind of like. If on the surface you don't get it, just shut up for two seconds. And even if it still doesn't make sense, you got it. And it probably moved you in some sort of like deeply formidable way. Um, yeah, John definitely, what a special person in this like scene and city. Kaylee as well. Uh, Love sweet Kaylee. little, sweet little Eli brother. Eli. Shout out to Eli. I fucking uh, love Eli Smith. Dude. Eli is one of my favorite musicians in this whole city as well. Like I'm like, as you know, like I'm very invested in the DIY scene and whatnot, but I've seen Eli play his guitar like a drum, like at the jazz gallery. Like that guy is a sonic wizard. Bro. Uh, Oh, dude, I brought, so, you know, when I was on poetry tour for Alms for the Board, um, day jobber, you know, couldn't really just, like, take a week off and just, like, ride around, and so we were doing this, like, satellite poetry tour thing, where we just go to, like, a different city, like, every weekend or so, um, and sometimes you bring, like, another local poet with you, and me and the publisher, ready, um, it was like, man, I don't want to do that, I want to bring Eli to do noise sets, at poetry readings and like it was amazing there was this like he had this brilliant piece uh where he used a like a ceramic cup to like control his guitar but it will never be better than chicago the last the last hurrah on the tour uh <laughs> we were playing at uncharted books and he was the opening, the first person to perform, read anything. We didn't give anybody any, like, any time to, like, warm up. It's just everyone kind of sat down. And dude went up and played this, like, excruciatingly intense, hyper-brilliant, deeply aggressive, just, like, just noise soundscape. But it was perfect. His music reads so much like the written word to me um and hearing it like it's so emotive and yeah we just went out of our way to just scare the shit out of a room of people who were there for a poetry reading i don't know man i could i could go off about how great brother elijah all the little karens <laughs> and all of them are yeah. they're a huge influence on actually this book there's a couple oh, great. times when I had to be in in nature with them. Uh, yeah, that's killer. Yeah. yeah. Whether he's in Honeymooners or Armillaria or Social Caterpillar, like Eli is the man. Yeah, I, I he's one of the dudes I really miss and uh, can't wait to see again like out in the music scene. But uh, I never asked you the second question. Uh, I wanted to ask you that. We just uh, keep talking. I just, I won't shut up. That's <laughs> no worries. Um, I was going to ask, what puts you to sleep on the other hand of the first question? 
liquor. Fernet. We're gonna go with Fernet. Okay. Uh, Fernet and a distaste for for being awake. You know, I um, yeah, a couple nightcaps really help uh, these days. Good to take the edge off. Dude, a couple orphan twisted teas. Where'd they come from? I don't know, but they were on my. They were on. Are my they good? I, they're good. Dude, twisted. I mean, it literally it tastes like just iced tea. It and it's not carbonated. Uh, I think that this. Another shout out to Jeff Kinder uh, from his birthday. <laughs> I think uh, it was the end of the night, and I was like. Wherever we were, I was like, hey, can I get a couple of these to go? Because I think I'm going to have a hard time walking his ass home. Uh, <laughs> I just never drink them. They were hanging out. That's exactly where these came from. There's also okay. a big one over in the other corner of my house that I think came from a, a walk home and a, an idea of I'm going to enjoy this. But then I didn't. So uh, okay. shout out to Twisted Tea. I'm uh, going to put sponsor of my nightly nap tonight maybe uh i don't think three will do the trick but you have it the old college try there you go <laughs> not academic college try fuck oh, academia but uh here for here for the idioms yeah yeah i yeah well um uh i wish you luck with that um <laughs> but me too sam thank you so much for being on the show thank you so much you're the best this was really sweet <laughs> yeah thanks once again for being here to talk about your poetry talk about your work with woodland pattern book center um for everyone watching i'll be tagging a link to sam prakarski's website so you can it's outdated you don't have to go to that it exists so that on a hidden page i can house my portfolio for freelance work and trying to get jobs when i'm on the job market it literally it's not the most worthwhile thing just find me on Instagram or Facebook at S. Pekarski and like that's. <laughs> you heard, you heard her, you know what to do. Uh, thanks for watching Mr. Nice Guy. We will see you next time.